Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. How sweet it is to dwell in the presence of the Lord. Lord, we also learned last week that not only uh, is the whole earth filled with your glory, so anywhere we are, we're in your presence. But Lord, uh, Jesus Christ, when he left, he made us the dwelling place of the Lord. Lord, that Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Father, dwell within us. Lord, that you have made us the body or the temple of Christ. Father, we never have to go anywhere or do anything where we're not in your presence, where we're not dwelling in your presence. Father, I just pray that that revelation would be made true to each and every one of us this morning, that your Holy Spirit would bring that revelation alive, that we wouldn't go anywhere, do anything, say anything without being aware that we're in your presence and we're carrying around your presence with us. Father, we give you all glory and all honor and all praise this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. If you're a guest, welcome. If you're joining us online, welcome. Last Sunday, we were looking at the temple of God, and we uh, talked about the temple literally from Genesis to Revelation If you missed that message, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. The theme uh, of the body of Christ being the living temple on earth and carrying uh, that around with us everywhere we go carries uh, into this morning's message as well, which is titled, Expand Your Territory. I believe God is calling us and has always called the body of Christ to expand the territory of the kingdom. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to uh, Joshua chapter 1, and we'll get there in just a moment. God has always called his people to expand their territory. In the beginning, he gave Adam and Eve dominion over the earth, and uh, they were called to steward and subdue it. Throughout the Bible, his people have been called to walk with him in expanding their territory. So we're going to take a look starting at verse 1 of Joshua chapter 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong, be courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, being very careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that it is written in it. For then you will make your 
way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Over and over throughout the Word of God, we are promised that if we are seeking after Him and if we are following Him, that He will be with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us, and we can all have confidence in that. In the passage that we just read, we see that our foot has power. God told Joshua and the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. The enemy was occupying the land that God had promised them. They had to personally go and engage in battle to put their foot on the land that God had given them. There wasn't an easy way into occupying the land. There wasn't a peaceful option. They weren't going to be able to just say, well, y'all please leave and we're going to occupy your land. They weren't willing to do that. God had called them to a place where an enemy resided. And the only way they were going to get it was to physically occupy it and do battle with the enemy. In verse 6, God commanded Joshua to be strong and courageous. And as believers and leaders in the kingdom of God, we have to lead in strength and courage. Joshua had to be there. Joshua had to be in the presence of his, his enemies to set his foot there. And we are called as the body of Christ to personally occupy the location where the battle is taking place. One of the key verses in this passage is verse 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. I had never thought about it this way before, but, and you may not have either. But did you ever realize that fear and discouragement are commanded against? God commanded them, gave them an order not to be afraid, not to be discouraged. We are literally living outside of God's word and his commandment when we live in fear and discouragement. He did not create us to live in fear. It's actually quite the opposite. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The enemy uses fear and intimidation and lies to keep the body of Christ from fulfilling God's call to expand his territory. In the United States, the enemy has used the lie of separation of church and state to keep Christians and the church out of schools and government, both local and national. Unfortunately, many of the Christians that do reside or work in those environments have kept their faith a secret because they've been intimidated and been fearful of the enemy who says you're supposed to keep your mouth shut about those things. The idea of separation of church and state was to keep the state out of the church, not the body of Christ out of the state. The enemy has convinced us with a lie of avoiding conflicts, of avoiding arguments, and maybe something even as simple as being uncomfortable with the simple statement, don't discuss religion and politics. Growing up, that it was almost a joke. You would even see it on TV or the news. They would just completely 
say that statement over and over and over is you just shouldn't discuss religion and politics. Those things are taboo. Uh, you'll, you'll cause arguments. You'll cause frustrations, and it's just uncomfortable. So just don't talk about it. And so the people in the body of Christ literally retreated from that land, retreated that territory, and gave it up to the enemy to be occupied. Because any land that's not occupied, that's not fought for, is going to be occupied by someone else. While the church backed away from these battles, the enemy pressed in. We're seeing the fruits of that today. We look around and we can't figure out how we got here. But we got here by retreating. We got here by abandoning territory that God had given us. And now the church finds itself not only having to stand up against the culture and the enemy, but in many cases our own government. The enemy has successfully been controlling much of the body of Christ through fear and control. But God is not a God of fear. He calls us to fight against these evil forces. But I want to remind each and every one of you, we aren't fighting against any person. There is no human being on the face of earth that we are to do battle against. And we're not fighting against any government. There is no, uh, no company, no government, no entity that we're called to fight against in and of itself. Ephesians 6.12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God and go to battle. Go to battle with the real enemy, Satan himself and every demonic force that is under his power. That is the battle. That is the enemy that we're fighting against. It's not flesh and blood. It's not people. People that are following the the guidance of the enemy are just lost. They don't know any better. They're living the life, the only life they can live. We are called as the temple of God, as, as the children of God, to take the kingdom of God into their presence and be a witness wherever we go. And you may be saying, I can't do that. It's not in me. How would it be possible? How is it possible for me to stand up to to literally spiritual forces? How is it possible for me to stay strong and courageous in the middle of attacks in every area of our life? And the answer is in the same passage that we just read in Joshua 1.9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. You are never alone. He will never leave you alone. He will never forsake you or abandon you. He is with you wherever you set your foot. Wherever you go, God himself is with you. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is with us. And God is calling us to engage He's calling us to take back what the enemy has stolen. In Joshua 3, God calls Joshua and the people of Israel to put their faith into action. He's told them what he's going to do, but now they actually have to do it. And he calls them to cross the Jordan River in its flood stages. It's overflowed its banks at its its highest peak in the year, and he says you're going to cross it. 
And he says, I'm going to part the waters for you, but I'm not going to do it until you're in the water, until your foot is wet, until you reside in the flow of the water. Flip over to Joshua chapter 3, verse 8. It says, this is God talking to Joshua. He says, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. And a few verses before, he said that Joshua was to take 12 men, three on each side of the poles of the Ark of the Covenant. These were really long poles. And so there was 12 men carrying that Ark into the Jordan. And he said, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan Verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Verse 13, And when the sole of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. Look at when the priest's feet shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. The water didn't part until all the feet of those 12 men was resting in the water of the Jordan. It's possible those guys on the front side of those poles were up to their waist or up to their shoulders or up to their neck. We don't know how far into the water they were, but until all 12 men were residing in the water, God didn't stop and and stop the flow of the water and separate the flow of the water. They had to occupy the territory of the water before God would part it. And then God moved. And you may be thinking, well, this is an Old Testament example that was spoken to Joshua and to Israel. This doesn't apply to us. But what we see throughout the Scripture in the Old and New Testament is that God calls us to step out in faith. And faith in Him requires us to step out into action, into unknown places in obedience. In James, it says that faith without works is dead. That no one can, no one can, can, can say I'm faithful but not have any action behind their faith. And every time, and you can go through person after person after person throughout the Bible, every time God called someone uh, in faith, they had to step out. They had to reside in the territory of the battle that God was calling him, them to before he would move and before he would do the miraculous thing that he had promised them. And we also see throughout Scripture that Jesus Christ was given all authority and that he has delegated that authority to the church. In Isaiah 9-6, there's a prophetic word about Jesus. and this is, So this is in the Old Testament. And it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ, including the governments of the world. No authority in heaven or on earth can claim independence from Christ's authority. Every authority depends on the authority of Jesus Christ. And he granted that authority to the church. We're going to look at two examples of this in the New Testament, starting in Luke 10, verse 1. It says, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. God sent the disciples, the 72 disciples, 
out ahead of him into the place that he was about to occupy. But he sent them ahead and he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Verse 8, Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Even to the ones that would not receive, he said, make sure you tell them the kingdom of God still came near to you. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Jesus gave them authority and sent them out in advance to place their feet in enemy territory and declare and proclaim that the kingdom of God had come into their presence. So let's take a look how it turned out. In verse 17 it says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I love verse 18. Jesus saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. When God's people acted in obedience to the word of God, God did what only he can do and literally cast out Satan in a moment. All the enemy has to fight against us with is lies. He's trying to keep you in a corner. He's saying, there's your spot. Stay in it. Don't come out. It's too dangerous out here. You're safer if you stay in your corner. But Jesus said, I've given you authority to tread on the enemy, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He said, he's given us authority over their power. They have no authority, no power over the body of Christ. The body of Christ is called to engage in battle. In Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I tell you, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus has all authority, and he's delegated that authority for this period of time to the church. And I know you've heard this before, but gates don't move. The passage that we just read said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ is called to go out, to be on the move, to take back what the enemy has stolen, to push them back all the way to their gates and then to trample down their gates. Jesus has called the church to to back the enemy in the corner, not the other way around. At NCC, our vision is that everyone would come to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ through relationship. And I believe that these three things are key to us expanding our territory as God has called the body of Christ to do. First of all, we can do it in prayer. 
And prayer fulfills both the knowing and hearing of our vision because it's relational. It's a time where God can speak to us and it's a time that we can speak to God and know Him and hear His voice. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5 says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. He calls us to prayer, to supplication, to intercession and thanksgiving for all people. Leaders and kings and people who are, who are leading at every area, but also for everybody that we know. There's no one that's not included and in that God desires all people to come to the knowledge of him and to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're called to pray. Something that goes hand in hand with prayer, but I think is often overlooked, is fasting. In Matthew 6.16, Jesus said, when you fast, and gave some direction after that, not if you fast. And I believe uh, fasting is a territory that much of the body of Christ has given up, that we've abandoned that area. Jesus said in Mark 9.29 that there are some victories over demonic forces that can only be overcome through fasting. Jesus, the, the disciples attempted to cast out a demon from a young boy and they couldn't. And then the father brought him to Jesus and Jesus cast him out and they asked him later, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus' response is, some only come out by prayer and fasting. For those, those of you who may not know, fasting is just describing uh, taking a period of time to not eat. Um, so, and it can be fasting other things. You could fast an item, a thing, um, and, and it gives you a chance to just focus more on God. And any time that you might be tempted to participate in that activity or eat that thing, it reminds you to, to return to God and return to prayer, and it constantly takes you back to your dependence on God. Back in, um, in late September... Uh, God instructed me to take a, a lengthy fast. Um, and I share that one of the things that Jesus says is not to, um, when you're fasting, he says that at the time you're fasting, that we should, uh, you know, basically look our best and not, you know, we're, it's, it's not being done for show. It's not being done to get um, credit from other people or just like I'm just doing it just, you know, so people will think I'm really spiritual. Um, and so during the time of my fast, I really only told a handful of people. Um, but I felt like in what God called me to do is a good example of what this message is on. And that is going into a place of territory that we've abandoned, but God's calling us to go back into. So this isn't to say, oh, look, I fasted back then. It's to say God is calling the whole body of Christ to fast. It's not something that should be special. It's something that we should all be engaging in. And so from my experience, I hope this will encourage you to pray about uh, fasting and that, that you would do both pray and fast together. But for quite a while before I did it, he had been preparing my heart that he was going to be calling me on an extended fast. And I just was like, okay, well, how long, when? And uh, over a period of really probably about two years, um, I just kept taking it back to him and saying, well, you know, I'm ready whenever you are. Um, and I went to a pastor's conference uh, 
probably early October, or I'm sorry, early September. Um, and it was during that time that I felt like I said it's time to start or to prepare. So uh, one of the things that I was, um, I guess you should say, highly addicted to was coffee. Um, and so I would, I would drink uh, every morning a 32-ounce cup of coffee. And then sometimes later I'd have a couple regular cups of coffee um, after, after the 32 ounces. So I knew if that was something coming up, I was like, well, I need to, you know, reduce my coffee intake. Or I'm going to have, you know, horrible headaches, be sick, you know, that kind of thing. If I, that wouldn't be something you just want to stop in one day. Um, so I started reducing that intake and kind of preparing. And I was like, well, I'm just going to get prepared because I know it's soon. And um, it's funny, uh, Pastor Joel, who, who's preached here multiple times, and he's actually been one of the influences that Reed just kindled that um, heart in me to fast. He's actually done uh, multiple very long fasts. Um, one of the things that he had told me before was that he would, he's like, I always try to have a really good meal before I start an extended fast, so I'm like at least, you know, enjoyed that last meal. The funny thing about mine is God didn't tell me to start, but very clearly told me to start until after I'd had dinner one night. And that night I had Subway. <laughs> uh, I think it was a, like a six-inch uh, or foot-long, I don't remember, uh, meatball sandwich. So that was, I was like, man, God, if you had told me before, I'd have probably got something different than Subway. Um, but so I, so I, I started that and, just, and did that. But one of the things, um, some people will say, like, if you're going to fast, you should have very specific things that you were praying about. God didn't really give me anything specific. He just told me to fast. And do it out of obedience. And that's, that's what I feel like most of what we're talking about in the scriptures that we're looking at, God's talking about. He says, I'm, I'm telling you a word. I'm giving you something to do. Go in, Joshua. Go in, people of Israel. Take possession of that land. Put your foot there, and I will give it to you. And so, uh, and even, even Jesus' uh, statement in Mark 9:29 that he says, when he told the disciples, there's, there's forces this spiritual battle that you're in, these demons that you're running up against, some of them cannot be taken out except by prayer and fasting. And I, I share with the elders, I said, I don't know how that works. I can't explain why. What I can say is that Jesus said it, so it's true. And so I don't need to know. We don't need to have that revelation. The only revelation we need to have is that we're called to pray and fast. And if we do, Jesus promised, then you will have the authority that I've given you to do what I've called you to do. And I'll give that authority. And when you speak, they will have to leave because it's in his power, not our power. There's no prayer. There's no fast. There's nothing that you can do that will put God into obligation to you. It's not about that. It's not that we do this thing and say, well, now, God, you owe me. You've got to come through because I did my part. Now you've got to do yours. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's by God's word. It's by his plan. It's the land that he's called us to inhabit and to occupy and to, to take over in battle. And if we listen to him, if we'll come to him, if we'll seek him, if we'll pray, if we'll fast, he will speak to us and lead us and guide us. And then he will be with us when we step out into that. And he will engage and win the battle. Those 72 disciples didn't cast Satan out from heaven. God did. When they obediently followed the word of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do as the body of Christ. Finally, we can respond by stepping out into the battle. 
have faith to cross over that invisible line that the enemy has told us is there. Areas that we're not supposed to go to. Conversations that we're not supposed to have. Battles that we're not supposed to engage in. Satan has been saying and telling us to stay in our corner. Stay in it. But we are called to use our feet to claim new ground and to take back old ground. The body of Christ needs to recognize and accept our individual and corporate responsibility. Christians all over the world are having to stand for what they believe in today. And there is a real cost to those stands. Depending on the nation that you reside in, it may be the loss of a job. It may be arresting. It may be being put to death. But there is a cost attributed to standing up and taking a step and advancing into the battlefield. But that is what we're called to do. And I encourage you to pray and ask God, what territory is he calling you to occupy? What territory has he promised you? He may have promised it to you a long time ago, and you may have given up on that and thought, well, maybe that promise is gone. Maybe that promise is no longer active. But I guarantee you, if it was God's word, it's still yours. It's still yours to step into that battle and engage in that battle. I want to come against the lie that your battle's already been fought. Or that you're too old to fight in the battle anymore. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There's, it's never too late. If you flip a little over more in Joshua, this one's not going to be on the screen. It's something that... I just came across and the Lord brought to me this morning, but it's in Joshua 14, starting in verse 7. So if you know the story of when the, the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and God called them to go into the land, they sent out 12 spies into the land. And Joshua and Caleb were two of those spies. But out of the 12, only Joshua and Caleb came back in faith, saying, we can do it. God is with us. He's promised us that land, and it's a good land. The other ten spies came back in fear and trembling. They said, yeah, it is a fantastic land, but it's also filled with giants. And it's scary. And they're bigger than us. And they're better than us. And they're stronger than us. And they were looking at the enemy, but Joshua and Caleb were looking at God. And they said, our God is able to deliver them into our hand. But because those other ten convinced the people and put fear in the hearts of the people, they had to wander around for 40 years before they could go into the land. This is after the wandering, and this is Caleb talking to Joshua. He says in verse 7, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. So before that promise uh, to Joshua that we just read when they were finally going to get into the land and God told Joshua, wherever you put your foot, I'm going to give you that territory. Before that, when they had first just spied out the land, Moses told K- 
Caleb and gave him a word from the Lord. Everywhere that your foot went is your land. It's going to be yours and your children's. And now verse 10, and now behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years since then, that since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in that day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. So now go, now give me the hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. So this 85-year-old man said, God told me back then, and he gave me a word that the land that I had stepped on was mine and and my children's. And he said, I'm 85 years old now, but God's word hasn't changed. And God's going to go with me. In the same way that it wasn't going to be me that won the battle in the first place when I was 40, it's not going to be me winning the battle at 85. God is going to win the battle because he's going to be with me where he called me to go. If you are alive today, if you are a son or daughter of Jesus Christ and are alive today, you can go wherever he calls you to go and occupy whatever territory he calls you to occupy and do it in victory because he will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean there won't be casualties. It doesn't mean it won't be hard. It doesn't mean that some people in some nations, and one day maybe this nation, that it may cost us our lives. But that's the battle that he's called us to. And he will be with us in it, and he will be faithful. And the, the battle has already been won. Satan has already been cast down. The keys have already been taken away. Jesus Christ has already given the body of Christ the keys. And he says, I've given you the power. I've given you the authority to do everything that I've called you to do. Only be strong and courageous. And I command you, do not be afraid or discouraged. There's no reason to be. He's good. I'm going to close with 2 Corinthians 5.20. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are called to be ambassadors. An ambassador is somebody who is given authority and sent out from a nation to represent that nation, to represent that kingdom. Jesus Christ made those 72 disciples that he sent out ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And he said, you go out before me and you will represent the kingdom. And you can proclaim to them, whether they receive it or not, that you have been in the presence of the kingdom of God. And he has, when he died and rose again, he made us his temple. And he is residing with you wherever you go. Everything that you do, every place that you go, every place that you set, you are his ambassador there. And God says, when you become that ambassador, proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And whether they receive it or not, and many won't receive it, but you can honestly tell them that the kingdom of God has been near you. You've come into the presence. You've had the opportunity to change. 
And all we can do at that point is pray and intercede and ask God and the Holy Spirit to work in their heart and to work in their life and to change them and to do that work. But we've done what we've, called, we've been called to do is to stand and occupy the territory that he's called us to. And I want to encourage you this morning to pray, to think and ask God about fasting and asking him what he's calling you to do and where he's calling you to go and what territory is he calling you to occupy. Because if you go to the place that he has called you, he will be with you and he will win the victory. Will you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? Generally, Father, we just thank you. Most of all, we thank you for the word. Jesus Christ himself. Lord, that he was with you in the beginning, before the beginning was the word, and the word was with you, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Lord, and you sent that living word, Jesus Christ, and he made a way for us to be reconciled to you, to have a relationship with you, that you would dwell in us, your temple, your moving temple on this earth. Father, and you are calling the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. To go into schools, to go into government, to go into our homes, to go into every place that the enemy has said is off limits. Father, there is no place that's off limits to the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear your voice and hear your word and that we would clearly hear, uh, like so many that have gone before us, a clear word from you of what you're calling us to do. But Father, more or as important, I would pray when we hear that word that we would go. Lord, regardless how young we are, regardless how old we are, Lord, that when we hear your voice, we would occupy in faith the ground and the territory that you've called us to, knowing we might get up to our necks before you move, but never doubting, never fearing, never being discouraged that you will move and you will accomplish your word. Father, we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 